0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Take your Bibles this morning, First Corinthians chapter 12. We're working on a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. Good to have you along with us this morning. We are on the topic of spiritual gifts. We started that just a couple weeks ago, entitling this series or this sermon, Body Life or Life in the Body of Christ, and we are now at part two. We're called to be saints, that's really the theme of the book. I encourage you to take a minute and follow along with me in your Bible there where you're seated in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Why don't we begin reading at verse four, and we'll read a few verses you follow there. Now, there are diversities of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4, various gifts, but the same Spirit. And Last week, we decided, we we understood that the Spirit of God is the one who's active in dispersing these gifts. And there are many differences of administrations, but the same Lord, or services. In verse 6, there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all energies for service." Verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, the profit withal to the church. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. You will notice six times at least in the text here, it is the Spirit of God that is energizing His gifts to His believers. To another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of the healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the discerning of spirits. To another different or diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh at one and the by one in the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. No one is left out. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. You are part of the body of Christ, by your, uh, bir- by your new birth, your uh, saving faith. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? That would be rather ridiculous. The ear would say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, it is, is it therefore not of the body? Answer, no. If the whole body were just an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? Father, we pray for your help this morning, your guidance, your unction, your anointing. Thank you for the wonderful truths that are presented here about the unity that comes as we serve the Lord together, the context of the local church, using our gifts for your glory and the good of others. Father, I pray that we would all be energetic in this, that we'd be enthusiastic about this, that you would certainly direct our steps as we serve you and serve the church, uh, knowing what we have as a gift from thee, and then, Lord, using it for thy great pleasure. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been working our way in this series through the book of 1 Corinthians. We know just by what we can remember here. And it's always good, isn't it, when we're studying expositionally. Like your father used to say when you were learning to drive, "Okay, son, now when we come to this stop sign, we want to do what? We want to look both ways twice." My dad would say, <laughs> "Look both ways twice." When you're studying a passage of scripture, It's good to be reminded, look both ways. Study where you are, but know where you've been. Every passage, really, when you study expositionally, is built on what came before. And so just by way of reminder in chapter 11, as you will recall, there were abuses about the Lord's table. The rich were bringing food, plenty of food, but they didn't want to share with the poor, the slaves that were coming to the first Corinthian church there. Instead of remembering the Lord's sacrifice, they were greedy. They were abusing what they brought and uh, often even getting drunk with, the, with the, the drink that they brought and not sharing what they had with others. And Paul's admonition in chapter 11 and verse 22 was stop that. Eat at home, feast at home, uh, but the table of the Lord is about a reminder of God's sacrifice for us. So enter that time as a church body, that ordinance of the Lord's table communion, enter that time with a carefulness of spirit, understanding that it represents uh, God's body and his blood that were uh, spilled for, or shed for your, your remission for your sins. And so we're to examine ourselves at that time. Paul reminds them, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, examine yourselves carefully. The spirit of sobriety, remember his death for you and then rejoice in the fact that he's coming back again. Amen. Uh, we're studying prophecy in the evening service. I invite you to come back. I think prophecy gives great hope in a troubled world. It is the source of our joy knowing that God is in control. Well, there's an element of that even in the ordinance of the Lord's table. Then, last week we uh, introduced the the topic of spiritual gifts. Paul does really, life in the body of Christ. And I asked an interesting question, about half of you or a little more, raised your hands like, yes, I know for sure what my spiritual gift is. Now, even if you're a little bit confused, don't give up, it's a wonderful study and Paul will really bring this up in chapters 12 and 13 and 14, uh, the subject of spiritual gifts. And it's important, I guess, it's not just I guess, I, I, it's an important topic for the, us to know the difference between what the gifts are today. We're going to bring up a list as kind of an introductory list, and I, I hope that you can understand that you'll get your greatest joy in life, in the service of the Lord, in the employ of your with your spiritual gift. Others, too, will be benefited by it. So that was important. So where we've been uh, is just the study, course, of spiritual gifts. Gifts, of course, are not to, uh, toys for show. They are tools for the service. The Corinthians wanted the best gifts. They wanted the, the, the showiest gifts. And so they were all excited about the speaking gifts, especially those of perhaps mystical speaking gifts because of the culture of the day. And they wanted those gifts uh, so that they could be seen. And that was a very proud church, and Paul's going to correct them. And then uh, we categorized the sign gifts. We explained that a little bit last week, that they were given why. Specifically, as the church was being established, uh, God's mouthpieces, God's proxies, His apostles, those who would eventually write the New Testament, were given special gifts by God. So they would be validated uh, when they went out and began to... A church plant, their mission fields, they were the ones that had unique and unusual temporary gifts for the planning of the church. They could speak with unknown languages. They could interpret those. They had the gift of healing and miracles. And so these gifts were important to validate. Even there were revelatory gifts. Some of them before the Bible was even uh, completed were able to speak a direct word from God. And so those were the sign gifts that we believe came to a cessation, a close, those specific gifts, once the Bible was completed. The Bible is now the validation for the man who speaks from God. He's speaking truth that's been completed. So sign gifts were important in that day. Remember, the book of Corinthians was written about 50 A.D., 55 A.D., while the church, and there was many of the books that had not even been completed or written at that time. So sign gifts were in operation at the time of 1 Corinthians. Then service gifts, we'll talk a little bit more about that. For the employee within the church, helping one another to grow in grace. Speaking gifts, again, these are the gifts God gives to some to expose, explain, and teach the Word. These are three categories. And last time we met together, we talked about a couple things. First of all, God's gifts are given... To every one of you who are believers, no one is exempted. You think, well, I just scratch your head. I I just don't think I I can do anything. I, I don't think I don't think I have a gift. Well, God without exception gives to all of his children a gift to use, sometimes more than one, within the context of the church. And so it is for our edification and for our good. And so God not only gives just one or two gifts, he gives a number of gifts. Again, we'll get into that gift list a little bit today for the overall health of the body. We've read some of these verses together. And it's important to understand, we'll start in just a moment with uh, some of these important things. But we ran out of time about where we got to the, to the gift list last Sunday, and so we'll begin with that here in just a moment. I, I read an interesting little story about a boy who was trying out for the school play. He was elementary school kid and he was trying out for the school play and his mother was worried because of his or her her son just wasn't that well he wasn't, you know, top of the class. He wasn't an outstanding student. He wasn't for sure a good actor. And so she was worried about what would happen. Well, the day of the casting came and she drove to school to pick him up wondering how it went and The young boy rushed up to her, eyes shining with pride and excitement. Ned said some words to her that I I think should be a a lesson to all of us. She said, how did you do today? (laughs) And he told her, well, I've been chosen to sit, to watch, to clap, and to cheer. (laughs) And uh, the mother said, well, that's that's good. Did you know that some of you may be thinking that's your spiritual gift, to sit and to watch? (laughs) Maybe clap and cheer once in a while. But there is no gift like that in the Bible. Now, maybe the clap and cheer would fit under encouragement, but really, none of us have a gift given by God that we are that is called spectator or sit on the sidelines or sit on the bench. No such gift. And by the way, no one has been given the calling to be even a a church critic. It's important to have a gift of discernment, but no one has been given that gift either. I often thought, and we'll get to that list behind me in just a moment, but I often thought how great it would be um, if your life vocation was to be a food critic. Wouldn't that be a fun job? Travel the world, best restaurants in the world. Eat free meals, and then write bad things about it. Isn't in that... We had a, in my first, church, Arford's church, I, we had a small church, we had a, a man I heard about that was a church consultant. I guess you could call those a church critic too. And uh, for, a, for a certain fee, he would come and he'd spend a week at your church, enjoy your services, and, and then he would write you a little report. Well, we got our money together, it was over $1,000 in the mid-90s, I think. 1990s not the 1890s 1990s and he came uh, all dressed up with his briefcase and he he came to observe our church and give us some helpful pointers criticisms really and when he was done he handed us a uh, what looked like about a half inch thick uh, report on all the things we could do we could do better <laughs> he said you know you got your your deacons are too grouchy your ushers buy them more the lights are a little too low and he had this long list and my sweet wife elbowed me and we, she said, we paid a thousand bucks for that. She said, I could have written twice as much for half as much. <laughs> no, she didn't. But the truth is, all of us naturally are critics. We're good at that. It's not a spiritual gift necessarily to be a critic. Well, what are the spiritual gifts? We're I'm going to take, a, look, little, uh, take a, a quick look at these, uh, and, and really this list that I'm going to share with you is not exhaustive at all, but I thought you would like to know that in the Bible this isn't the only place where spiritual gifts, are. this is not an exhaustive list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's only part of, one of, part of three, three or four places where we see that the gifts are enumerated for us. Chapter 12 of Romans is another place, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. But what I'm going to do for you, in no real um, sense of order, but just give you a look, and as we're doing this, I'm going to ask you to do something. As we're looking at this list, I want you to uh, ask yourself a question or two, maybe even three. In which area of giftedness am I most likely to find joy in service? Okay? Secondly, in which area of service do others find most benefit from my ministry? Number one, in which of these areas that we'll talk about here today would, would give me the greatest joy? And secondly, would those around me also express joy in the expression of my spiritual gift? And then thirdly, am I even attempting to use this spiritual enablement at all last week i warned you that one day you will stand before the lord and you will give an account for how well you have given how well you have used the gifts and talents that he has given you as a believer and so whether you're a one gift christian or a five gift or a 10 gift christian god will hold you in account no exceptions so, it's important that the study isn't just marginal or an optional thing. Oh, spiritual gifts, who knows? That's kind of a mystical thing. We should, well, Paul devotes three or four chapters to that. So, I think it's important for us to understand them as well. Let me go through them uh, in, in this order. Again, it's cold from different places in the Bible. And hopefully, you'll connect maybe to one of these areas and say, aha, that, that sounds like something the Lord has given me an enablement in. To start out with, we see here the gift of administration, not listed specifically here, but also it is listed in the book of Romans, chapter twelve, and verse eight. There it's called this: "him that ruleth." Here is a, here is the gift of administration. You read probably had time to read that the gift of administration is divine strength or ability to organize multiple tasks and groups of people to accomplish these tasks. Administrators are often also good delegators. This is the person who has a great ability uh, to oversee ministries, organization, scheduling, leadership, and even awful, excuse me, awful, also, not awful, also includes delegation. Uh, some of us may be awful at that, but it includes the ability to see a ministry in all of its facets and organize it prepare it, get it on the launching pad, and see it through to completion. Some of you have wonderful abilities in that area. You have the gift of administration. This man or woman brings a necessary calm to projects by virtue of seeing the big picture and preparing others to find their place on the team. In the Bible, can you think of anybody who had this gift? I think of the man by the name we're studying in one of the Sunday school classes, Brian's teaching us through the the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a great organizer and manager, Solomon as well. Let's look at the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is the divine strength or ability to spiritually identify falsehood and to distinguish, to know between right and wrong and to judge accurately in order to protect the body. This is the closest thing to the gift of criticism positively it 's the ability to see right and wrong the del- the, 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 the delineations the differences boy i 'm struggling today the differences between right and wrong and to be able to bring corrective measures into into force or into play in order that there is this sense of biblical discernment We need that today don 't we? Some folks uh, certainly would not be that discerning in their choices, and many people. Are church critics, church gossips, church grumps, but not discerning Christians. They know how to apply truth in such a way to solve problems. Can you think of anybody in the Bible that had the gift of discernment? The, the man called Daniel, in the old he's not a church member per se, but Daniel in the Old Testament was known as a solver of difficult problems, discerning person. There are others on there are other gifts on this list. Evangelism. Some of you are wonderful at sharing the gospel boldly. It's the strength or ability to help non-Christians take necessary steps to become born-again believers. There's often a divine boldness in this. In our church, I could name a few people. Anytime you start naming folks who always a amiss because there's people you're going to miss or leave out. But in the Bible, can you think of those who were able to boldly profess Christ in such a way that their witness was effective and fruitful? Well, quite a few, right, come to mind. I think of the evangelist Philip and Paul and Stephen, and you could add to that list many other names. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, we see the phrase, the word of wisdom. See that in your Bible? What does that mean? In Paul's day, and in, in the context of 1 Corinthians, that gift included revelatory information from God himself that were, uh, that, that were words of wisdom given by God directly to these men, I call them apostles, who started or founded the church. Words of wisdom. From, in fact, in those days, I mentioned this earlier, these men, special, unique men, called by God as church planners, and before the Bible was written... They were able to receive words of wisdom, from, words of knowledge and wisdom from God himself. And they would say, if they had this gift, the sign gift in the, in the New Testament, yesterday God spoke to me. And if they were validated by the signs of an apostle, you ought to listen to that, especially if he could do other, had other signs, the gift of miracles and so forth. Healing, God validated during the time or before the time that the word was completed. And you ought to have listened to that. Now, today, let me just warn you all if you hear a preacher on TV or you visit a church and they say, Well, last night, dear people, God spoke to me in a dream, I had a revelation. Often you'll hear a preacher just say that God's just given me a word for the church and it's very specific. And it's out of, it's ex scriptura, it's outside of the truth, of, and it's just a, and you wonder where did he get that? Usually, by the way, when you hear a preacher say that, grab your wallet and run, right? It's usually a word about how much money you ought to give him, and it's a, it's not really a word from heaven at all. We have a book that's self-authenticating, self-validating, and if a preacher today says anything's from heaven, it ought to match the Word of God. But Paul's day, the Word of Wisdom, did include that uh, revelation directly from God. And uh, such truth today comes from the Word of God. Teachers and preachers who expositionally open the Bible carefully, faithfully, properly, and fully give us the sense of Scripture. That's, what word of, that's where wisdom comes from and helps the body, this gift helps the body to grow closer to Jesus Christ. It is a primary gift and Paul certainly had this gift and I'm sure every good godly Bible teacher, I'm thankful for the Bible teachers in our church, amen, uh, all the way from elementary all the way through to the adult classes, people that are careful with the word of God. In Paul's day there were great teachers like Apollos and Peter and others, well Uh, gifted by God to take his word and make it applicable to the church. There is the gift of exhortation, a divine ability to strengthen comfort, urge others to action through the written or spoken word and biblical truth, or should say, which includes biblical truth. So these are important things. And then we see faith. The gift of faith is a divine strength or ability. Now, remember, Always impose those questions I asked you to think about as we began. Which one of these areas do I find myself uh, perhaps most carefully leaning towards in terms of my spiritual gift? Where do I find the greatest joy in the exercise of this? And do others around me cooperate with that or see that in my life? The gift of faith. This is more than just saving faith. If you're a believer today, all of you, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, have been given the gift of faith. But there's more to this gift than that. This is a person, could be a man or a woman, that has an exceptional measure of faith. Sorry, but I don't know what's going on. If, if you brought a candle today, be ready to use it, or a flashlight, or a cell phone. Uh, but if you have the gift of faith, pray now. No. This is an unusual measure of faith that a allows you in difficult situations. We were talking about it even in Sunday school this morning. Nehemiah had the gift of faith. Uh, others, Paul, the apostle on that ship that was sinking in the Mediterranean ocean, stood up and he said to all, all those scared, given up folks around him, they said, listen, it's, go, it's going to be okay because God is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. None, none of you will perish. The gift of faith is an unusual ability to trust God in the midst of dire circumstances beyond the daily provision of life to understand that God is at work. It bolsters the faith of the church. Been praying about that little parcel of ground on the corner and uh, most of us who don't have the gift of faith, well, we can't afford to do anything with that. But you know what I like? Every committee needs a dreamer, a doer, and a doubter. People with the gift of faith have a God-sanctioned gift of seeing the future and getting excited about it. Even though perhaps you don't have the money now and you don't know where it's come from, you know that you have a big God and you dream glorified, what I call glorified imagination. God, you're a big God, so use us. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian that loves to maintain what's there. A lot of us are in that spot. Lord, you've given us this blessing, this wonderful campus, and these wonderful folks, and we want to take custodial gifts, perhaps, the maintenance. But Lord, give us, give us a vision of what you could do, you want to do, not just with that pecan orchard, but with the church and with my life and our family. You know, when Robin went through cancer, been over 10 years ago, or well, just about 10 years ago now, um, she just gathered, the. I told you this, she gathered the family around and said, listen, God is a great God in spite of this 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 thing we're going through. And I'm going and don't stop trusting God. Maybe you're going through a, a difficult time, and the The person with a gift of faith has the ability to rally folks around the goodness, the grace of God. Are you that person? Or will you go home today at lunch and whine about the people that aren't here and should be? Or the fact that the lights flickered a few times. Can't believe that. Didn't we pay the light bill? Or it seems like nothing's going to happen, never going to change. The ER Christian. God, give us some folks that have the gift of faith. Let's move on. The gift of giving. Isn't this a great one? All of us like to be around people that have this gift. Well, we need faith at the crisis. We need faith at the crossroads, faith of the future, faith in our families, But the gift of giving is a wonderful thing, and all of us, I'm sure, could name someone that has benefited our lives because of this gift. I told you about those when I went to college that sometimes were anonymous, were just a blessing to me. Chuck Swindoll, when he went to Dallas Seminary, tells the story about some men or a man that really helped him with this spiritual gift. He says, when I was at Dallas Seminary, God used a man in my life and the lives of 10 other men at the school at the time. Howard Kane was his name. He chose to underwrite our complete tuition. Don't you love that? Absolutely unsolicited. Each time tuition came due, there was a check in the mail. He said, I remember one time he came to Dallas, got all 11 of us together and said, I want to to give you guys, let's go downtown for a minute. So he drove downtown with all of us after a sandwich. He took us several blocks away to a men's store and inside he suited us all up in new suits, new sport coats, one fellow after another. He sat there and he just beamed. He was happier than we were. He wasn't wealthy, but there was something inside of him called the spiritual gift, the grace of giving. And he enjoyed giving things away. You know when you you say, I've got the gift of receiving. (laughs) Do you know that when you have this spiritual gift, and I know some folks that have it, you give without any desire for recognition, any plaque on the wall. No, you just give. And when you give, it is just that blessing. It is You just can't help. It just beams up inside of you. Usually when you are Uh, In the employer, the exercise, or the articulation of your spiritual gift, you have such great inner joy in the exercise of it. You're not counting how much money do I have left. You're just saying, well, that was a blast to give away that money, knowing that God will resupply. The gift of giving. Spiritual gifts are designed for service, They're a spiritual endowment from God for serving others in the body. All right, what about helps or service? I guess all the gifts really would be called service gifts, but if you've got really this gift, I couldn't help but think about those yesterday. We had a team of folks that were here, all ages, serving all over the campus, moving mulch. And As a pastor, it's always fun, and I appreciate Taylor who's kind of organized that. The gift of administration he was displaying yesterday. But it's neat to see folks of all ages just on the team serving all different corners, shoveling mulch and spreading it out. And and you could tell who had the gift uh, of true gift of service or helps because they were smiling and singing and whistling. And the rest just were kind of were grouchy about it because their mom told them, you got to get up and help the folks over there. I'm just kidding about that. Everybody had a good sweet spirit about that after they ate a donut or two, but it's, it's a blessing, isn't it? It's a blessing to see a true servant of God. They're not whining about it. If you have the gift of helps, whether, it's, whether you're in the spotlight cleaning or dusting in the corner in the dark hallway in the back it, with nobody watching, there is just a song in your heart about service and helping that's your gift, now all of us need to work on all these areas but 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 you'll know what your spiritual gift is when you just enjoy it and I'm so thankful for the team that was working around here you know I, I haven't on purpose mentioned a lot of names uh, but this is an easy one um, most and, and I know i'm going to leave people out but I'm just going to name a few okay, and you could do the same right in our church people that have the gift of helps. Right? I mean, it just jumps to your mind as true servants. Here's just a short list. And um, we could have a very long list. But they're not concerned about rewards or recognition. Uh, Wright Garbit was working all morning with us. And I'll sometimes drive over here at the weirdest hours. And Wright will be over here cleaning, working. Now Wright doesn't whistle much, but he's always got a sweet spirit about what God's called him to do. Sandy Stokes, Jack Stockstill, uh, we had Barry Davis, who's a great servant. Sam Prusak, uh, I'd have, I'd call him out. Maybe he's, maybe he's out today, but I'd call him out of the sound room once, so you can just see him. You know, he, he is actually a person. Um, Diana Blaisdell, Taylor Flurry, others, Carol Lee, and just a short list of those that. I know, uh, as a pastor, in observation of our sheep here, our people, these are, and, and that's just the top of the list, there may be lots and there are many, many others who work. In, and that's what it takes, a team. We're the body of Christ. And so it's a great thing to have so many. I wanted to say, go well, on record, thank you for your mentality of helps and service to the church. Hospitality, This is the, this is the person that says, my house is your house. Mi casa, su casa, right? My car, it's your car. Without reservation, my money, your money. My life, your life. My time, your time. so many times we are wrapped up in our kingdoms but seek ye first the kingdom of god and these things will be added to you we have we are living in a generation of folks that would value above all else their weekends and their time and their money and their life and god has called us simply to lay all that down And like the house of Stephanus, sacrifice, put our necks down for the good of others. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. You make, wherever you go, a welcoming environment for others to enjoy the display of the grace of God. I wonder if this gift might not be a gift all of us could work on and be a great open door to greater growth here in our own ministry. Interceders, I'll just quickly finish our list here. Are you an interceder? We had a man by the name of Claude Stage in our first church that when you asked Claude to pray, let me just read this first of all. The divine strength or ability to stand in the gap, praying for others, uh, believing God for profound results, generous in prayer time, a true prayer warrior. Claude wouldn't just say, well, okay, I'll, you know, I'll pray for you. Thank you for sharing that. I'll pray for you. But you knew that when Claude uh, asked you that, he would go home and he would get on his knees and he would invest time in interceding for your, new, your, your needs. And he knew that, that, that he only, not only knew the need, he knew the God who could supply. And he would spend time before God just slow walking that burden Hand in hand with God. Just, you know, prayer. I think, and I don't think most of us can even tie our shoes in prayer, really. But think of Enoch, who said, "Lord, more than anything, I just want to take your hand and just walk with you until I learn of you and your burdens, and then when it's my turn to share, Lord, I I want want you to know that." I love you, and I, and I think I have your heart and attention when I share this with you. And I don't know how to pray as I ought to pray, but here's a, here's a need. Not for me, Lord. This need is for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so and so. My prayer list is about others. And Lord, I love you, and I just want to take as much time as is necessary until I sense That my burden has become yours, and I have given it carefully to the one who says, I am to cast my prayer burden upon the Lord and find you to be our sustenance. I think too many of us run through our prayer life as a thing of necessity or duty. And when we get to heaven, The Lord will have to say to us, I sure appreciate all those prayers in thanksgiving for those three meals a day that you offered all your life. But I did not hear from you outside of that. The interceder is one who says, I'll pray for you and does he takes the prayer burden before the Lord, spends as much time on the Emmaus road as necessary, as necessary until his heart is burning because he's close to Christ. The interceder, he is practicing prayer by petition, by patience, and by passion. And you know his heart is one who will truly pray leadership is simply this that says, I, I've got the ability to influence others. It's a gift, really. I know where I'm going. I have a purpose, a spiritual purpose that's God-directed, and I have the ability to coalesce around me or to bring to the, the need or the, the vision. I have the ability to influence others who get on the team and follow the direction God has put in my heart. Joshua one of those for sure in the Bible, and it's a wonderful thing to be uh, to have godly leaders, every dad should have to some degree this spiritual burden. Mercy this is the guy or gal who has the ability to feel empathy and to care for those who are hurting in any way. Uh, I call it good spiritual bedside manners you want a, you want a visitation pastor who is a has a heart of mercy, and certainly in the Bible, Barnabas was one of these who could simply. Come, to, come into your attention, listen to your need, and your, your eyes are locked on because your heart is locked on, and he listens carefully until your burden has been shared and it's become his, and he's actually empathetic, your pain in my heart, and I'm going to carry it with me. I love you, and I mean it, and I'm here to take whatever time is necessary to listen, to hear you, to pray with you, to be concerned. The gift of mercy, that's not always found in women and not men. It should be shared equally by Christians. Pastor Shepherd, uh, this again is found in Ephesians chapter 4. This is the shepherd nature, the custodial, heart-carrying, a flock-carrying nature of the true shepherd It's one of the titles for the Lord himself, someone who is a spiritual caregiver saying what is best timely necessary for the health of the body or the flock. Prophet, um, we we think of the Old Testament prophet and that's fine. They spoke uh, actually words of God uh, by God's direct revelation to the people of Israel. What does it mean then in the church in this dispensation of grace? Well, Obviously, in the time of transition but the sign gifts were still in place, the prophet again had that unique unction and ability to speak the very words of God to the congregations in the early church, and the founding of the church. But as we get further down the road in the idea of dispensation of the church, Age of Grace, we find that a prophet has a special ability to look you in the eye and tell you words without hesitation that you need to hear. He, is a, he has a divine ability to confront with truth. He knows two things. He knows his time is short and he knows your time is short. So he has the rare ability to almost like an emergency room worker assess the problem, diagnose the spiritual issue, and give you the medication or the surgery needed without a lot of small talk. I'm not saying he's harsh, but you do not want your EMT, your emergency worker, to talk to you about your grandchildren when your leg is cut and bleeding, right? Put a tourniquet on me and save my life. And we have a lot of folks in the church, right, who are just playing around because they're too nice. (laughs) Is that possible? We don't get to the... Your life is in a mess, and the reason it's in a mess, and I'm going to say this in love, is because you're not walking for God. You're playing around instead of working. You're messing around, and you need to get back to the truth, and here's how you do it, and you've got to do it today, Perhaps there's somebody in this church right now listening to me, and you've heard the gospel a thousand times, but you're just doing this. Maybe some other time. Maybe some other way. And God is speaking to your heart. No, you don't have that promise of time. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the day you need to make that thing right with that, that's broken with, with your spouse. Today's the day you need to make that phone call to your mother-in-law. Today's the day that you have to say to your wife, please forgive me, I was wrong. Quit. Quit prolonging obedience. That's the prophet. Divine strength to communicate God's truth and heart in a way that directly calls people to repentance and a right relationship with God. I'm thankful for the prophets in my life who've told me what I needed to hear, when I needed it to hear, without sugarcoating it a bit. So God is the gift giver. And if I'm just teaching, I'm going to wrap this up. Teaching, we have great teachers, the ability to study, learn carefully from scriptures to understand the truth and make it understandable. So important words of wisdom. We've talked about that. It's in the text here in front of us, chapter 12 and verse 8. The word of wisdom, this is the ability to apply God's word with great uh, discretion, ability, understanding for how we're to apply it in our lives. That is the man who has today the gift of wisdom. And so it is, the Bible says, for there is, the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that body are one, being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now as you look, and I'm just going to, what I'm going to do in the next couple minutes here is just, just really... Summarize the end of chapter twelve because Paul uses the the picture. Um, Paul uses the picture of here's the third point today. God gives the church the necessary gifts for unity in the body, not so that we can fight about who's got the best gift. And that's what the the balance of the chapter is about. He will picture in these verses a couple things. One is he, he'll picture a picture of fighting church where every part of the body. Um, <laughs> All the body parts are fighting with one another about who's the most, uh, most beautiful and so forth, who's got the best, um, the best gift in the church. And so Paul is saying how ridiculous would it be if, if the body was just an eye or the hand would fight with, the, with the, the eye or the foot saying, no, no, look at me, look at me. Paul is saying that's not what you need to be doing, Corinthians. It's not what it's all about. I don't need you as the the, the Corinthians were. All, they were infatuated with the best gifts, the eloquent gifts, the upfront gifts, the limelight gifts. And Paul is saying, "Don't do that. Understand that it's for the best of the body that God puts all the parts there. Once you discover what your gift is, use it for the glory of God, the good of the body, even." Those parts of our body that aren't as comely, he would say, need to be appreciated and loved. And so, really, the gifts are for unity in the body. Each one is necessary. Chapter 12, verse 12 is really a summary, summation of that. For as the body is one, hath many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. The body is one. The body parts serve in unity because Christ who is also in Christ also. Who is God is not divided. So God places us in the body for the good of one another. And we're reminded as we kind of wrap up today that every one of us is necessary. And so if you're sidelined or sidelined yourself, or you're bitter perhaps and been hurt in the past and said, I don't want to get back in the I don't want to get back in service. No, I'd rather sit here. I'd rather be a spectator. I'd rather soak and sour. Listen, that's not an option. All of us are necessary. And as a pastor, I want to say how, how much I appreciate, not just on this Sunday, but all of you who are engaged, energized by the Spirit, using what you have for the glory of God. You say, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know where I fit in. Come see me, and I'll help you figure that out. Don't say, I don't need you, or I'm just going to be a Lone Ranger Christian. I'm going to sit it out. COVID's been nice, so I, I've enjoyed going to church on the couch. <laughs> pulling up the favorite preachers in America. That's one thing, but you can't use your gift if you're not in the context of the church and serving others. So it is. We are enjoined by the Apostle Paul, and he ends with a verse that's often misunderstood, chapter 12, verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. It could be, in the Greek, it could be rewritten here for your understanding, a little clarity. You are Corinthians. You are earnestly desiring coveting the showiest gifts stop it and just serve one another in love that's a a good way to look at verse 31 I show unto you a more excellent way God is so good to give each one of us the gift that we need to serve one another in love and Paul will bring the glue to us now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. So important to appreciate the fact that your gift is absolutely vital in connection to church service and uh, the good of one another. Hope you're using it for the glory of God. We'll continue on with this theme, Lord willing, in the days ahead. Father, thank you. For the- thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.